Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show I do where I talk about the stuff that I've seen since the last time I did one of these. I'm David, and we are going to kick off with a rewatch. I don't talk about that many rewatches on the movie journal, but I've actually got a couple. Um, And this one I'm specifically calling out because... It's a movie that I had only ever seen on... It, it's a movie that's in the public domain and I'd only ever seen it on a super cheapo uh, DVD. But um, now, uh, or at least within the last few years, a uh, couple of years, someone has put out uh, a Vestron video, I think they're called, has put out a uh, Blu-ray of Francis Ford Coppola's Dementia 13. So um, I got to watch that in a much more cleaned up and, and crisp and, and clear uh version um this movie i remember liking the first time i saw it however many 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 years uh ago that was um there's there's some stuff that uh fits with the schlockiness i don't just mean that there's there is some like good like scary horrifying imagery and stuff that's great but i also mean like there's a lot of like inner monologue voiceover type of stuff that's that's a little bit um corny but uh it's actually like it it gets pretty violent pretty pretty nasty um and also has like a uh um it's filmed on location in ireland which is uh, amazing and it has a lot of scenes of characters just kind of talking about the the family's traumatic history and uh those scenes are very well written and 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 well acted um i was really glad to to be able to revisit this movie um thanks to a good new blu-ray uh then as a kind of um pride month watch i um saw for the first time Toshio Matsumoto's Funeral Parade of Roses, which is um, uh, about what I guess um, if we were describing the movie with in 2023 terminology, it would be about um, trans women, um, kind of like the upcoming Kokomo City, but that's a pure documentary. This movie is um docudrama or it's a heavily fictionalized movie based on the real experiences with real um trans women the subtitle that i saw refers to them as gay boys which uh feels inappropriate and does not go a long way to actually describing a trans woman um but uh like kokomo city it it, it does revolve around um these women's uh survival by being sex workers um essentially but it sounds like what i'm describing is some like uh uh gritty social social message like drama expose funeral parade of roses actually um it's not just about you know we've had there's been this discussion and it's not necessarily always mine as a cishet man to to have but this discussion about like what is queer cinema like is it just like a movie that is about queer characters um or is there something more uh 
queer in other ways that it needs to be in, in the sense that it doesn't need to be uh, challenging norms um, and provoking maybe um, and Funeral Parade of Roses is definitely that. It's a wild movie um, that jumps uh, all over the place. Literally there are jump cuts and then there are like ridiculously hilarious uh, things. There's one part like near the very end of the movie where suddenly it cuts to like a movie critic talking about the movie you're watching um it's very funny stuff uh funeral parade of roses then uh i finally i had never gone to the new ish new to me um academy museum theater I'd, i've been to the academy museum here in in hollywood but i hadn't been to the theater to see anything they have this great big beautiful theater and that was a great place to watch all three hours and 45 minutes of the director's cut of Woodstock, 1970. And, um, you know, I, my tolerance for hippie shit has definitely grown over, over the years. And also it helps that there's actually far less hippie shit in the movie in terms of the music. Like there are hippies in the movie and some of them are ridiculous. Um, and some of them are nice. Um, and some of them are just like normal people, uh, but I, I get less annoyed than I used to at, uh, some of the hippie speak, but the music that they feature is like, this is a, like, rock documentary. I mean, there's definitely, like, folk stuff in there, too, and, and you've got, you know, Joan Baez singing beautifully, um, and, uh, uh, others that I'm drawing a blank on, but like the music is so good and the filming of it is so great. And you can kind of see, um, it, you know, part of the story of Woodstock is this like festival, this organized festival that like fell apart, but also became something beautiful, uh, at least in the public memory and uh, which is largely shaped by this movie i understand it as i understand it but um you can kind of see how the filmmaking goes the same way like in the early performance like, like with richie havens at the beginning you can see that like the people operating the camera are staying in their assigned areas and and like um operating uh um from uh like the the pit in front or or from out in the crowd or whatever but then like in the second performance i think maybe second or third is canned heat and some kid just like gets up on stage and like like bums a cigarette from the lead singer or maybe gives him a cigarette or something like that and just hanging out on the stage and you said that's like the first hint of like oh this is going to be a little bit more of a a, a free-for-all and soon thereafter you see the, the cameraman kind of follow suit where they're like they're just like right up in people's faces. They're right like when Jefferson Airplane is playing, they're like right like practically on the strings of the guitar, and uh, it's really invigorating. The music is really good and 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 mixed really well. Um, and the movie, like I said, it's three hours and forty five minutes. They had an intermission, but it kind of flew by in in a lot of ways. Um, all right, uh, what's next for me? George Cukor's 1935 Sylvia Scarlet, uh, which is a movie in which 
Catherine Hepburn um, plays an unmarried woman, if you can imagine, um, who uh, do who disguises herself as a young man to to make to to escape uh, from. Are they in France at the beginning? They're escaping to England because her dad's maybe like an unscrupulous business person or whatever, and and she like disguises herself as his adult son, and then they like, go on a ship to England, and then they meet up with another con man uh, played by Cary Grant, who's great, and 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 then they get in all sorts of adventures and go on the road as like a theater troupe. Um, it's a very fun movie, um, and. Catherine Hepburn is, of course, um, delightful, and and Cary Grant is a a, a really great cad um, in the movie. And there's some other uh, actors, I like Brian Ahern and Natalie Paley. I don't really know um, them. I have to be honest, as as actors, uh, but they both have large roles and 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 both do very well. Uh, yeah, so I I liked that. Uh, then I filled in an, a, a real blind spot. Because I like um, Antonioni, Antonioni movies, but I'd never seen Blow Up, which is is one of his uh, most famous ones, and uh, kind of like kicking myself, but also maybe glad that I saw it at the time of my life that I that I did. I, I think it's a a, a masterpiece, um, and uh, um, it's. Of course, it's the type of movie that's like going to be fascinating to cinephiles. It's about a photographer, but it's about looking at images and seeing new things in them and looking at them in different ways. And and um, the movie gets you into this mind space even before um, David um, um, Hemmings. Is that his name? David Hem. Yeah, David Hemmings. Even before David Hemmings' character thinks he might have caught evidence of a murder on a roll of film that he was shooting in the park. Uh, even before that, the movie is kind of like in encouraging you to look at things deeper from different angles. You know, the, the first photo shoot with the models has a thing where they're like from one angle, they all seem to be standing in a row, but then you look at it from a different angle and you realize they're like in a diagonal type row. Um, and so there are parts, there's a lot of scenes of David Hemming just like staring deeply into these blown up photographs, but then we, like the camera will also just like trace along the wall, almost it's like, it, almost like it's saying like, what do you see here? What could this be? Um, and, uh, and then it has an ending that is kind of an, I guess some, you could say in plot terms, kind of an anticlimax, but that I thought was so sublime as to be like uplifting in a way and, and beautiful. Um, and uh, I, I just adored this movie. It's it's one of my new one of my new faves. After that, I went to see oh yeah the uh, billy wilder theater the uca the billy wilder theater which is programmed by the ucla um film and television archive did a night of uh, 
A double feature back-to-back Andre de Toth movies, both on 35mm, which started with a Western that I'd never seen before called Ramrod, with Joel McRae and Veronica Lake, uh, and a young Lloyd Bridges as one of the henchmen. Uh, and uh, I guess when I say young, I mean like not famous yet. It's not like he's a little kid. Anyway, that's not the point. Um, but uh, yeah, Ramrod is my kind of Western because... Uh, I mean, I like a lot of different kinds of westerns, but I like these ones that that um, depict the sort of like rule of might um, as opposed to rule of law as being just a way of life. Not like when the bad guys come into town, people aren't like, oh no, they've disturbed our perfect, like beautiful, idyllic town. It's just like this is the way of life around here and this is how things are done as evidenced by the fact that like the gunslingers and henchmen on both sides like joel mccray's the good guy and i forget who's playing the the bad guy like they all like know each other it's like they're all part of the same union in a way and they just ended up on on different on different sides um uh Let's see. Oh, Preston Foster is the bad guy. I don't know him. Yeah. Well, he's in Dr. X. Kansas City Confidential. He's in some stuff I've seen. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I liked that kind of, like, matter-of-factness and kind of uh, bleakness that, you know, you know, Andre de Toth, as we'll get to, like, made, you know, noir in 1947 is, like, the height of, you know, post-war era and uh ramrod seems to have some of that existential bleakness that we associate with uh with noir movies so let's uh move on to my second uh rewatch of this episode because it was the second half of the double bill uh under the toast pitfall um, which is a personal favorite noir of mine because of how handily it um addresses that post-war malaise that dick powell's character is a someone who served his country during world war ii and has um come to receive the ideal benefit of the post-war life for it with the uh steady job the nice house in the suburbs the beautiful wife and the uh toe-headed little tot of a son and everything is perfect and he is bored absolutely uh stiff by all of it and that is what leads him to be involved with a sort of unwilling femme fatale um in some ways it's elizabeth scott who's again one of my favorites um and um but she's in some ways she's a classic femme fatale in that she is the woman who leads this uh unhappy man into the underworld but she doesn't do it on purpose he lies to her um she is essentially innocent in all of this but is maybe just too irresistible um despite herself uh and uh yeah i i think i liked it the first time i saw it seeing it uh, a, a second time and in getting just in touch with just what a miserable person dick powell is playing um 
and with the movies uh i would say ends uh with a little bit more um a little bit bit less uh moral like certainty than you expect from the pre-code era or from the code era uh all right, let's move on to a new movie. Uh, Bomani J Stories, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, which is a movie that uh, takes the Frankenstein story and relocates it in modern day, um, a modern day American city. I can't remember if it's, it ever says, it probably doesn't, I'm just an idiot, um, what city it is, but it's basically a uh, uh, poor but uh, incredibly intelligent black teenage girl who um is obsessed with bringing back the dead uh but you know moving this to uh present day it's because she has seen so many of the people in her life um die early deaths um uh and um so she is trying to so unlike you know victor frankenstein is um not a good guy uh this girl uh vicaria is a nice person whose project goes wrong and uh her frankenstein monster her monster um is pretty terrifying the movie is uh i think some in some ways early on uh especially it kind of seems to be borrowing from that like floaty camera terrence malick thing that um a lot of uh, independent directors have, have have done post Tree of Life, um, but there's still um, a point of view here, and um, the movie's well shot and well lit and and well acted, and the uh, sound design is really good for the monster killing people. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, overall recommended, I guess. Uh, all right, let's go back in time again to 1975's Macintosh and TJ, directed by Margin, Marvin J. Chomsky, but more importantly, it's the last movie that Roy Rogers was in. Um, and uh, if, you know, just looking at the tagline, I thought this was going to be super corny because um, Roy Rogers plays a uh, uh, aging, obviously he's in his 60s here, aging uh, sort of, freelance like roaming ranch hand who's driving around in his beat up truck looking for work and takes under his wing this uh little rapscallion this little whippersnapper who's a runaway and a shoplifter or whatever and and they become a a, a team and it's it all sounded very corny um and maybe some of it is but the stuff that they end up finding themselves embroiled in when they sign on um at this at this ranch um is handled with a lot more um maturity and uh the the movie has a surprising amount to say about um men's sex and sexuality and how a bunch of straight men handle being in a situation for a long period of time um where there are very few women around um and some of them are more uh, adept at handling that and some of them act out in less than healthy ways and uh yeah i found it all to be a lot more 
intelligent than I think I was was expecting. Uh, so then I went. Uh, uh, no, I, sorry. In between, then I finally saw. Uh, finally, it's only been out a little bit, but I saw Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. I liked it a lot. Uh, I didn't love it. It's got some 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 problems, um, but there's. Uh, and I think some one of those problems is that I think the movie is incredibly melancholy. And I think the moments of uplift in the movie are a little bit forced, but the moments where it just dwells in melancholy, but with beauty all around. And those two things aren't working against one another that like the beauty and the melancholy go hand in hand in hand that stuff i found really powerful and really really emotional so um yeah i really liked asteroid city uh didn't care at all for the new dreamworks animated movie ruby gilman teenage kraken but it's not even worth talking about it's not that i hated it it's just that it's the exactly the movie you think is it's it's gonna be um certainly made me think of guillermo del toro's recent uh words against modern day american like studio animation and how characters act like emojis uh and uh, that's very much what's going on here so that pretty much sucked and i uh need to take a drink of water there's nothing that i can do about that sorry okay back to roy rogers um so you know being pleasantly surprised by his latest his last film uh not late i mean it's, yeah his not latest like there's not another one coming uh his last one uh, i went back and watched one of his early films in 1938 a movie called under western stars which uh as a showcase for him doing some like trick horse riding and and getting in fist fights and and uh sharp shooting and stuff like that like it's fine but the movie under it is not very good <laughs> actually it's kind of a um mr smith goes to washington type of thing where roy rogers whose name is roy rogers in the movie um gets elected to represent all the ranchers uh in washington because the big bad uh water company is uh uh um, killing their crops or whatever and then he goes to Washington and like I feel like he's supposed to be this paragon of virtue against the the <laughs> these these barons but he just does a bunch of underhanded shit and it just like takes a lot of the wind out of the argument um, it's 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 not that great but it's only like an hour long and you get uh, young Roy, Roy Rogers, very handsome, and uh, he sure can ride that horse. Uh, all right, final stretch here. Only a couple left. Um, I went to. There's a new uh, Vidiots has reopened and has a movie theater, and it's a really nice movie theater in Eagle Rock. Uh, and I went to a screening of Michael Schultz's The Last Dragon, which is a movie that I feel like. I didn't know anything about for a very long time. Had never really heard of it. And then there was kind of a back-to-back, like, um, in 2018, uh, there's an extended uh, homage to The Last Dragon in Sorry to Bother You. And then, like, maybe just the next year, 
there's uh, a storyline in the season of Insecure where Issa is helping to like put on a screening of The Last Dragon at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. So I'd become... So like five years ago, I went from not knowing about this movie to realizing like, oh, this is like a cult, a beloved cult movie. Um, but I went in kind of like, you know, I'm a snob. I don't know if you've noticed. So I went in kind of uh, skeptical, but uh, it's kind of difficult to not like or difficult to like. It would be difficult to not like this movie. Uh, it's 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 fun, but not it's not like good in a so bad it's good way it's so fun that it's good um yes a lot of the stuff is ridiculous but i think i don't think the movie is like trying to pretend that it's fucking spartacus or whatever here uh it's about a um uh brooklyn uh <laughs> um i guess uh kung fu aspiring master who has to like save his neighborhood and the local celebrity played by vanity uh from a couple of uh different evil forces um and you've got some great little before they were famous not i don't know if mike star ever became famous famous and mike star plays like one of the bad guys main henchmen uh william h macy shows up for one scene as uh, a producer on vanity's uh tv show uh it's just it's very fun the fighting is fun and it especially seeing it in the crowd it's hard not to get amped up when uh when leroy the main character um gets the best of the baddies uh near the end it's 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 very fun uh don't hate and then finally just last night i watched a new italian movie called amanda um not just a clever name it's about a girl named amanda a young woman who um is has difficulty making friends uh she's a rich girl she doesn't have to do anything so she stays home all the time and doesn't make friends um but her mom wants her to be friends with her her friend's daughter um which she at first doesn't want to but then she finds out that uh she and this girl were like when they were really little before she even remembers they were like inseparable and then they moved away and so now she's like she decides like oh no this person is my best friend is fated to be my best friend and starts like forcing herself into this girl's life to be uh her her friend um really great uh performances um amanda is by benedetta pocarole and the other girl, Rebecca, is by Galatea Belugi. Belugi? Belugi? Um, so, yeah, really good performances and some really good, like, sort of dry uh, comedy. I do think some of the staging and framing um, feels a little derivative of other, like, weird rich kid, rich girl things, like like Thoroughbreds or... or um, uh even like in her it, t- it takes place now but amanda favors kind of like an older style of dress so it kind of reminded me of harold maude um or even rushmore in some ways with this like uh weird insistent kid i mean she's not a kid she's in her 20s but you know you know what i mean um so yeah it's there's some talent on hand here and it's definitely not an unenjoyable watch but it also didn't feel 
uh, especially original either. 